Mother's Day is a special time at Susan G. Komen. It's a time to reflect on the women who inspire us, the women we love, and those we've lost. This Mother's Day, select from a variety of free e-cards on Komen.org and tell your mom, sister, and friends how much they mean to you. Visit Komen.org to learn more. Support for Real Paint comes from Genentech, a member of the Roche Group, who pursues groundbreaking science to discover and develop medicines for people with breast cancer. Learn more at gene.com. That's G-E-N-E.com. From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. Breast cancer is rare in young women. Fewer than 5% of breast cancers diagnosed in the U.S. occur in women under 40. But when they are, they often add complexities surrounding fertility and starting and growing families. Here to share the story of how she is trying to expand her family following breast cancer treatment is Tammy Myers. Tammy, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Tell me about your breast cancer journey, and then I want to talk about your, your family journey. Sure. Uh, so it's a long story. Five years ago, when I was diagnosed, I found the lump myself. Um, obviously, I wasn't being screened at the time because I was way below 40. So I found the lump and I was feeling it for probably a few weeks and doing a lot of research before I even got the nerve to tell my husband. And then I, I knew I had to make the call, call my doctor. Uh, really thankful that I got in right away. And I saw a doctor who was young herself and also had a family history. So she wasn't willing to take any risks with me, which was great. They ended up sending me for immediate tests uh, within a few, few days. And that very same day, I was told that I had breast cancer mm. at the age of 33, which was crazy. And I had no, no family history. I had no risk factors. Um, I had never smoked. I barely drank. And I was really seemingly healthy. So I, it wasn't on my radar at all um, and hit me like a ton of bricks. I had the typical uh, routine with chemotherapy, radiation. Um, I did an immediate bilateral mastectomy. And for the past five years, I've had a lot of surgeries and a lot of complications that have followed. I think it's over 20 now. Mm. I'm doing well. well I'm, I'm glad that you're doing well. And I'm, and I'm really glad that you're able to join us and talk about this. Um, so let's, let's talk about, about family just for a minute. So I understand you've got a seven-year-old daughter. So uh, how old was she when you're diagnosed and how has, how does having a daughter, you know, affect your desire to give her a sibling and, and, and change your trajectory for that? Yes. Uh, so family's always been huge for me. Um, I knew I wanted children since the time I was a child. So the planning started early. Corinne was two when mm -hmm. I was diagnosed. So she was really young mm -hmm. and we were actually trying for our second. Okay. Because we were trying, I think it, it helped bring the topic up in the initial meetings with my oncologist. Uh, actually, to go back to that day, she looked me in the eyes and told me it was cancer. And I had two questions for her. The first one was, of course, how long do I have? Mm. And after she explained that breast cancer is no longer a death sentence, uh, my next question was immediately, can I have another child? Is, is that possible for me? Unfortunately, uh, my cancer is highly hormone positive. I think it's like around 98%. Mm. 
So she knew right away that I shouldn't carry another child because it would really, really increase my risk of a recurrence. Mm. So uh, because of those questions and because all of that happened immediately, they pulled some strings because they knew it was important and got me into a fertility specialist here in Grand Rapids within, I want to say like three days, which is unheard of for this doctor. Wow. It was crazy, actually. It was a Friday afternoon and my mastectomies were the following Monday at like 6 a.m. And I met the doctor and we went through all of my history. Um, He read through all of the results from the biopsies and the staging of the cancer and that type of thing. He looked at me and I could tell he had more bad news, which I was It only been that five days, really, since all of this had started. So my life was really kind of flipped upside down. But he said, really, the only way that you can have another biological child is if we do an emergency egg harvest um, right after your surgery, um, before your treatments begin. He explained it would kind of put me at risk because it would be pumping my body full of more hormones. And I'd have to get my oncologist to agree to it. Um, but that would be the only way. So I left there at, I want to say it was like a Friday at three o'clock in the afternoon and we had the weekend to make the decision. And the worst part was we also had to come up with the money by Monday. It was nuts. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot to take in in a, in a really, I mean, a really big decision to make, uh, like you said, over a weekend. It is, it is. So, so talk just a little bit more about the financial side. So you said you had to make the decision over a weekend and had to come up with the money. Can you talk about what the financial challenges were and maybe even some grants or other means that you use to meet that challenge? Yes, I can. Honestly, I mean, cancer is expensive. It's expensive for anyone, but I think it's even harder for a young person to tackle because, you know, they're just getting started in life. They're just getting married. They're starting their families. They're really just starting their careers. I know talking from experience myself, I didn't have a nest egg and Mm. I wasn't prepared for something huge like this to happen in my life. And honestly, it it really couldn't have come at a worse point. Uh, We had recently just moved back to Michigan and um, I had left my job. Mm. I had two days before accepted a new position, um, but because of everything that was going on, I wasn't able to take it. And um, to make matters worse, we were in the middle of flipping our first home. So it was like all of our savings were wrapped up in this house. Like it really couldn't have been a worse time to happen. Not that any time was ever good. Yeah. But we got that news and, you know, we were blindsided by it. And you're really, you're not thinking about the finances initially. You're just thinking about like, can I survive this? And Mm -hmm. it all moved so fast. And uh, my husband and I didn't really know how to move forward. So financially, I mean, that was a question, but um, it, it wasn't something we could fully understand right away. And then when we started talking to the fertility doctor and they threw those numbers out at us, mm-hmm. I want to say it was upwards of, it would have been around $20,000. And I think because of the Lymph Live Strong Foundation, we were able to get some of that paid for, mm. I think about half of it. Um, But we did have to come up with the rest um, in cash, in person, within that first appointment if we wanted to move forward. So not knowing what the future would hold, not knowing if I would even be here to to try for a second baby, it was a really, really tough decision. Yeah. In the end, we realized that 
um, if I did come out of this okay, we would regret not doing it because yeah. of how important having an, a family is. Yeah. So we we did um, have some hard conversations with family and we did end up borrowing the money to do the initial um, egg harvest. Mm. Over the past five years, like I said, cancer is is expensive and it depleted everything that we had and really put us in a giant hole. And I think it does for most people, especially young people. Yeah. And, you know, it's something that we've been working on and, and trying to pay off, but it, it's not something that's ever going to go away. I mean, no. cancer is, it's always going to be a part of my life. And even though I'm doing well, there's always testing, there's always appointments, there's always maintenance and that kind of thing. So the baby thing for us, it's, it's always been what we wanted to do, but we didn't really know if we would be able to afford to take that next step, knowing how expensive it is. And then um, about, I want to say it was last summer, so not quite a year ago, maybe um, August, actually, I okay. was fumbling through some, some social media apps and came across a video from Sam Fund. And it, it was uh, talking about this new grant program they had for building families after cancer. And it struck a card with, with me because the first thing that she said in the video is cancer is expensive. Yeah. Yeah. She right away started talking yeah. about the impacts it has on young people and mm -hmm. how hard it is in that situation. And I, um, I was glued. Uh, we were actually in the parking lot and I had to send my family into the store without me. And I, sat and watched the podcast. I had about, I think it was two days before the application was due. And I really thought I had no chance of getting this grant, but I stayed up all night completing the application. Wow. Um, and I found out, I want to say three months later, um, that I was, uh, my family was chose to get the grant. Wow. That's yeah. wonderful. That's it's amazing. That is, that's so amazing. That's I'm, I, it makes me so excited for you. I, no, I thank that. you. And it, I mean, it doesn't pay for the whole process, but it is a huge help and make made something for us that wasn't feasible. Yeah. Um, a lot more feasible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally, I, I can, I can empathize with that. Um, now, so I, and, and I also know that the COVID crisis has had some personal implications for you related to this journey. Can you tell us a little bit about how that's affected you as well? It has. Sadly, um, it's had some big implications for us. And it's, mm. I mean, it's hard to complain knowing the state that the world is in right now. Um, but for us, you know, the process um, kicked off really quickly. Uh, once we found out that we had the grant, there's a time frame that you have to use it in. So we mm. had to hit the ground running we didn't have a carrier at the time. So we went public with our news um, in search of one. And for us in Michigan, the laws are really tricky because they haven't evolved since the 1950s. Mm. Um, and legally, a woman who is carrying a child is legally the mother, even mm. if it isn't biologically hers. Right. Um, so the laws are, you, you're not allowed to pay someone to carry a child for you. Mm -hmm. So in our, in our case, that is a good thing because we couldn't have afforded to pay someone per se, like it's right. done in California. But right. at the same time, we had to find a, a really amazing person who was willing to give us this gift too. Mm. We put a post out there and we were so scared. It was um, a really nerve wracking kind of opening up like that. Mm -hmm. And then we didn't look for about a day 
And I think we had about 10,000 views in the first 24 hours. So it went somewhat viral, which wow. was amazing. And um, we had some women come forward that were more than willing to do this for us. Um, we made our decision and we got, it, got things started with the fertility center and the lawyer. There has to be a legal side of it because of right. the, the laws here. Right. Things were going really well with the whole process, uh, which we did have a little bit of a fluke cycle, or I guess I should say our carrier had a fluke cycle. Mm. So things weren't progressing as quickly as they should, but it was moving along. And we had just gotten the green light that her body was officially ready for our embryo transfer um, a few days before COVID hit. So initially, it was a lot of buildup, a couple of months of adjusting medications and Mm -hmm. Um, constant ultrasounds just to try to see where we were in the process. So to get right. the green light, we were so excited. I have to say, like this whole process for us, it's been a roller coaster for the past five years of a lot of negative or, or sad things that have been taken for us. But for the first time in five years, we were focusing on our future, and yeah. that wasn't cancer. So. Right it brought so much happiness to our family. So when we got that news or that phone call um, from the nurse, we were over the moon excited. Mm. Um, and COVID had like, we were just starting to hear that things were happening, but I don't think any of us really thought that it was real or, or really yeah. understood how big it would be. Right. Um, so we didn't consider that initially. I mean, we were worried about it, but we didn't think that it would hold our process. Mm -hmm. um, so when we got the call, it was, it was hard to hear, but of course we, we didn't want to do anything that wasn't safe. Yeah. So yeah. At the time we were told uh, that we could go put things on hold, that we could mm. keep her body ready up to a few months. Um, and as, as soon as the stay at home order was lifted, we would be able to get right in and do the embryo transfer. Mm -hmm. That gave us a lot of hope. So we kind of held off for a while, but unfortunately about a week later, we got a message that our carrier was no longer willing to be a carrier for us. So I'm sorry to hear that. Yes. Mm, that's tough. Yeah, it was, it was really hard. Honestly, we're still kind of working through that. Yeah. I would say going from that really, really joyful high to getting news like that um, hit us pretty hard. Mm. So, and you add that all of that, hope was ripped away during a difficult time anyway yeah um, so it's, wow. it's made it pretty difficult but yeah well let's talk about that for a second so how i mean so what does the future look like from here and how are you keeping you know keeping faith uh in spite of setbacks at this point well for me um as my husband would say i'm an optimist to a fault so i have my my dark days, I've definitely had a lot of dark days with cancer, but I usually can pull myself out of that hole. And mm. I, I am a believer that um, things come full circle. Mm. I believe that a lot of the things that have happened in my journey uh, were meant to be. And I just, um, I believe that there are good things coming for us. So yeah, that's right. We're, we're not really sure uh, what the process will look like or if this is still a possibility for us. Um, right now, we're still trying to, to be hopeful and we're looking into everything on our end. Financially, we were hit pretty hard because everything that we did initially 
um, and all the money that we have spent and the, and the grant as well. I mean, that was all whipped out with all of the uh, procedures and uh, medications that we did in the beginning. So uh, I think that's the hardest part for us is trying to figure out if now, if we can afford to move forward. Yeah. Um, I will say that we, um, we reached out to one of the other carriers who really, really wanted to do it for us in the end. And she did say that she, without hesitation, she still would love to give us this gift. Mm. And she's even excited about it. So we do have that that gave us um, a ton of hope. Yeah. yeah. We're just trying to figure out the other side of it right now and trying to make it work. I don't think we're ready to give up. That's good. That's good. And, and nor should you. R- related to that, uh, do you have any final advice or parting words for listeners that may be in a similar situation, having faced a breast cancer diagnosis, but still wanting to continue to grow their family? It's hard because there's a, a small window of time that you have to make a decision like this. And I didn't know it at the time, but I was really lucky that I had the conversation and this topic was brought up because a lot of young cancer patients do not realize that um, cancer treatments can affect your fertility yeah. um, in the future. Yeah. So my advice would be, you know, look, going into it for us and even over the past few years, we knew that it was going to be really expensive and something that seemed impossible for us mm. to do um, when we were right there in the moment. But we also knew that having a family was important to us. So I would say, uh, don't be afraid to ask the important questions or be your advocate and don't be afraid to take a risk because here I am five years out. I mean, cancer is still a part of my life, but I'm doing really well. I'm in remission and I'm looking towards my future right now. And I, I, I do not regret making such a huge financial investment in my family. Yes. Tammy, I, I love that we're kicking off Mother's Day week uh, with your story. Thank you for coming on the show and, and for sharing your story. I'm, I'm truly inspired and, and a, an early happy Mother's Day to you. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you again for having me. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com. Thanks to Genentech for supporting Real Pink. To find out more about Genentech's latest advancements, visit gene.com. That's G-E-N-E dot com.